This is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland, the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers, coming to you from the beautiful downtown Loop Studios of Radio DePaul Sports. We are talking about the Packers' 24-17 loss to the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday Night Football a couple of nights ago. I am Mike Fleischman. That is Matt Mellum Setter. We are thrilled to be here, even though we are not at all thrilled. How you doing, Matt? How's Thanksgiving? Uh, I'm I'm good. Thanksgiving was pretty good. Uh, I mean, Thanksgiving weekend kind of spoiled a little bit by this game, but uh, food was good. Food was great. The phone in the podcast studio look, is ringing, which look, is a, a nice a nice thing to have happen. Look, the station's closed, guys. Yeah, uh, I think you can just put that down. Matt Lelmsetter is on the telephone. Hello, this is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. No one on the line. We're the so, best podcast about uh, the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> uh, I think we're fine. It's cool to have a dedicated landline. Yeah, it's rung now twice. In this studio. In this studio. <laughs> uh, when we've been recording. Pretty crazy that this line works. Um, hey, uh, do you think that maybe we should trade Aaron Rodgers for Case Keenum? I'll take my answer off the air. Yeah. Yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> All right, that disordered my intro. I was going through a really nicely yeah, no, ordered that was, setup. That was really off the dome. Yeah, I really liked where that was going, and yeah. then kind of, kind of, we got interrupted. And you know <laughs> what? That's a microcosm of the entire Green Bay Packers season. Is we kind of mm. come in thinking like, oh man, this could be going well. It, it feels like we're working, we're working good. We've got good guys in positions. We're we're healthy. We're Early returns forwards. were promising. Early returns were promising, and then we're ruined by kind of out of the nowhere kind of phone call. A uh, 24-17 loss to the Minnesota Vikings. We had a we had a, a good Thanksgiving weekend. I how I, was I, your Thanksgiving? Up off, I had a great Thanksgiving. Up off the top, I got to I got to call a high school football game from an NFL stadium. The Indiana High School football championship games were held at Lucas Oil Stadium. All six uh, classes of Indiana High School football. It's organized by school size. All six classes had their championship games there, three on Friday, three on Saturday. I got to call on play-by-play the 1A championship game that took place Saturday morning. The Pioneer Panthers took on the North Vermilion Falcons. Pioneer led by Jack Kaiser, who's going to Notre Dame next year as a defensive player. He's their their option running quarterback and also their star free safety. They're incredible. They beat North Vermillion sixty to nothing. Oh. I don't. Oh. Smaller class football plays a little bit like this, Mellum Center, yeah, in no. that you know the the playoff system doesn't really send you the top two teams. Yeah, because North Vermillion's coming out of a sectional and then out of a regional, and they played great to get there. They do not have a Division One commit yeah. leading their team. They have, I believe, their coach told me one l- offensive lineman who's going to play in Division Three NCAA wow. next year. They earned their way to that championship game by playing great and beating teams on their level. Uh, Pioneer could have could have beat could have beat probably four other of the teams that showed up wow. at, at the state championship that year. It, it something that I, I noticed I'm from South Dakota. I mean I'm from South Dakota. I've been around some pretty small division football. We go down to uh, like nine B and play like nine man football. Okay, is like a lot of the the smaller schools. It, it is just like one player. It, yep. can, it can be really one player who can put up like three thousand rushing yards in a season and completely k 
carry a team to a championship. It, it kind of comes down to having one super athlete. And and Pioneer actually has four players that I'd count as difference makers. Holy cow. They got very lucky. They have yeah. what, they, they what have a class. Uh, 1A. Yeah, no, I know, but oh, like, oh, what, a, what, a, what a class to have. Yeah, four what a different, class. Oh, yeah, four difference makers in a 1A school. Like, that's that kind of numbers in a 1A school to have four guys that are, like, true difference makers is, like, impressive. Yeah, they've got a good coach, and they have, like, a bowling ball running back to go along with their quarterback, defensive back. Yeah. They have a couple of really speedy young sophomores who can work the jet sweeps a little bit. Mm-hmm. And they run a, a wing T offense, which uh, we don't talk about in pro level football because it's just a running offense. Yeah. It's purely like either the quarterback runs out of the shotgun or you do the jet sweep around or it's a give directly up the middle to mm-hmm. the fullback behind you. Pass twice a game, three times a game at most. So it's a matter of like you don't have to complicate things. You run probably six offensive plays from scrimmage yeah. in different directions, and you just either run the ball yourself or you hand it off to someone else who's an athlete mm-hmm. and try to get blocks up front. And you you put that on the field at that level, and yeah, you put your your four good athletes in position where they can do exactly what they need to do. Warren Central, who won the 6A championship, runs a full NFL pro spread offense. With a with you know, a great quarterback and like three wide receivers, all of whom are like also stars on their basketball team, who are like six foot three. God, um, great little running back, probably a five five nine ball of muscle who can yeah. all of a sudden like hit the jets and just and just leave you in hole. the dust. Yeah, he's also apparently their point guard on the wow. basketball team. Wow, uh, just an entirely different idea. Yeah, you, know, you go to the you go to the bench and they're having like position meetings. They have a coach for the offensive line, the defensive line, the linebackers. They are staffed up like yeah. an NCAA Division One team. They run something that's comparable to what you'd watch in prime time. And it's just a high school game. Whereas, you know, 1A, you've got Jack Kaiser. Yeah. Just they're going to snap the ball to him and he's going to run past <laughs> and he's you. He's going to do yeah. it. He's going to do his own thing. High school football is a lot of fun. I'm, I'm really, I'm on a high. From yeah, being good. at Lucas Oil Stadium, as you should. That's that, that I was, think it's a really incredible accomplishment, Mike. I think I think I think it's really special that you did that. I'm I'm about half a year out of graduating from college, yeah. and I was working in a, a pro stadium this last weekend. Madness! It's pure madness, yeah. is what it is. But also, yeah, my company gave me a great opportunity. I'm I'm not. Uh, I won't put it too much on myself, but I'm not the type to squander opportunities yeah you seize the day yeah i'm i'm a i'm a i'm a go get it kind of guy so congratulations that's that was a lot of fun and congratulations to the pioneer panthers and uh, good luck jack kaiser at notre dame (laughs) uh this i saw a couple of guys i think we're gonna see on sundays wow in the next uh four to six years wow uh there's a couple of sophomores as well that playing linebacker at the 4a level that were uh something else anywho Sunday night football. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we we've been doing this. We've been staying away from from the Packers. A uh, great great Sunday night game. Packers Vikings from the Vikings uh, brand brand new uh, brand new Pleasure Dome up there in Minneapolis. This one started pretty good. Yeah. The 
uh, there's some big picture stuff in in the world of Green Bay right now that that we need to talk about. I I think the game summary is is important for a few crucial moments. Sure. So I'm going to start rolling through it, and when we get to those moments, we can kind of stop a little bit. Early, an early good moment was the first three and out drive that the Vikings had. Mm-hmm. Is a, a a good series of stops. Blake Martinez made a couple of good tackles to bring up uh, fourth and one. Uh, Minnesota then screwed up, <laughs> and uh, and and brought too many men on the field on fourth and one. Had to punt. From their own 30, uh, Green Bay punts it right back. Minnesota then, in another early encouraging thing for the Packers, goes three and out again, this and time losing yards. That three and out, uh, the first play of that was the uh, Kirk Cousins throws a short screen to Stephon Diggs on the left side of the field. And Jair Alexander, before the, the ball is out of Kirk Cousins' hands, has recognized the screen, blows up Adam Thielen, the blocker for, for Stephon Diggs, and causes a 10-yard loss. I think that's the kind of play that superstars make. That's the best. Uh, uh, um, I, I tweeted out that night that that might be the, one of the best plays of Jair Alexander's year. It, it That's an unbelievable play. Yeah, Collinsworth says that's one of the best plays he's ever seen this season. Yeah, which it was out, it was outstanding. I think if there's a silver lining to this season, it's Jair Alexander. That, Absolutely. That, that kid might be the best young cornerback in the NFL, especially since other there's some other guys vying for that position who are currently uh, foreshadowing maybe for Alexander, stuck on some bad, mismanaged yeah. teams who are, are just in a, in a mess right now. Jair Alexander has a chance to be great for a long time. So Jair Alexander pretty much dictates that drive, and... Green Bay gets it back, goes 68 yards for the touchdown. Uh, big pass interference penalty on Xavier Rhodes, matching up against Devontae Adams. Really set this one up, got this one, got the field flipped. Uh, first and 10 from the Minnesota, 31 from there. A lot of Aaron Jones up the middle, and then Devontae Adams catches the pass from Aaron Rodgers, 15 yards. Extra point is good. Green Bay's up 7 nothing. Minnesota, who are still good, yeah, still responds good. immediately. Big play on this one was the uh, catch and run to Stephon Diggs. The, uh, the little wheel routes are what's... Cousins has been rough recently. Little wheel yeah. routes are what's going to get him back on track because that's Minnesota's offense. Yeah. Stephon Diggs and and all their Dalvin Cook and those guys like wheeling out from the backfield, little bubble mm-hmm. screens, things like that to, to make up for the fact that Dalvin Cook is not a straight-ahead runner. Yeah. He can uh, catch passes a little bit. Uh, if if Packers fans out there remember Dorsey Levens, they're a great running back mm-hmm. for a long time. Twenty five, right? I, Number yep, twenty five. Yep. See a lot of similarities between Dalvin Cook and Dorsey Levens. Cook might be better. That Dalvin Cook touchdown pass uh, from Kirk Cousins. Yep. He's he, he put the Jets on and just flew. He's so fast. He's str- I mean he struggled in the run game last week. I think he had like twelve yards or something. But uh, he's he's just so good outside of the tackles and given the ball in space. High game. Green Bay responds immediately with another big drive. 15 yards for EQ St. Brown. Kendricks gets some. EQ St. Brown gets 23 more. And finally, this is finished off with a Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones touchdown six, rush. Six-yard touchdown run. Yeah. 
more good stuff. Of course, Aaron Jones in on the first uh, first couple of offensive series. Yeah, we started to see Mike McCarthy kind of go away from the running back by committee. Jamal Williams did not get very many snaps. Jamal Williams played, I believe, one series in this game. Yeah. More on running back usage later. Uh, <laughs> uh, Minnesota immediately responds. The game got interesting there in the first, yeah. first half. We're in the second quarter now. Uh, Stephon Diggs catches a 30-yard touchdown pass from Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, who's played like butt recently, uh, playing much better. Yeah, I, he's, worth, he's, every, he's worth, every pe- worth every penny of that contract. I think we're going to see it as Minnesota. I think we'll scoop a wild card spot and make a deep playoff run. I think that Minnesota got really off track because of the the terrible situation that happened with Everson Griffin. Yeah. Um, he is back on the field. He looked he looked okay. I'm, I'm really glad to see him yeah. back because the news reports of what he was dealing with sounded pretty scary. Yeah, it's 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 good to see him back. I mean, regardless of whether it's the Vikings or not, it, he's he's such a force and he is great to have on the football field. Yeah, I think they re- that really threw the whole team into disarray yeah. there for a little bit. And Kirk Cousins, I like paying him big money. I don't think he's I don't think he's in that like top five. No. Uh-uh. Elite quarterbacks. I don't know. I don't know if he's hovering around the back end of top ten, but he's also very good. Yeah, he it, he's it, it. No matter where you put him, I think he's somebody that can win a Super Bowl with a good enough defense. Yeah, look at the Philadelphia Eagles last yeah. year, and and a guy like Nick Foles. Yeah, that that's the kind of quarterback that I think Cousins is. He can make some big throws. You try to coach him out of making big mistakes. He is a fiery kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, clearly enjoys a leadership role, kind of a, a, a low, a low risk guy. Yeah. On, on the other end, like seems to, seems, seems to lead the most like absolutely boring life of the field. Like, yeah. you know, follow his Instagram. If you like platitudes, <laughs> uh, I, you know, if, if you're a platitude kind of man, Kirk Cousins yeah, has got Kirk, him for you. Yeah, he's got he's got what you should need. <laughs> All right. Green Bay punts three plays, four yards. This is the start of the the Green Bay doesn't do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> in this game, Minnesota misses a field goal. This game could have been worse yeah. if they would have made a few field goals. They have Dan Bailey kicking for them, and he still which field goals. That to me is the the position where where they're going to get derailed yeah. in the playoffs because Dan Bailey sucks. Yeah. And they drafted a kicker. He screwed up. They cut him. Yeah. I am outside of like Robert Aguayo, who got cut from, I believe, the Buccaneers a while back for mm-hmm. being just absolutely garbage after being drafted really high up. I am... I have a hard time being fully on board with like you thought a kicker was good enough to draft. Yeah. Six months ago. Now you're telling me that he's not even good enough to to give a second chance to. Like that's kickers, that's tough because who are you gonna replace him with? Dan Bailey? Yeah. Like there's only I always there's only like ten good kickers in a league at a time. And Yeah. He, <laughs> two of them are Adam Vinatieri. And two of them are Adam Vinatieri. Um so it, it's it's to draft a kicker and just kind of be like, ah, never mind. He he messed up once he's gone. It, 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 it kind of doesn't work, but we've rarely ever we've rarely seen drafted kickers work recently. I mean, kickers are in a kickers are in a big slump career wise here. 
yeah, it's been it's been tough unless you're Janikowski, who's somehow like still in the league, still still has a job somehow. Yeah, they're paying him in sweet rolls <laughs> up there in Seattle. I uh, like a big kicker, <laughs> and uh, Adam Vinatieri, who is forty two. South yeah. Dakota boy. Mason Crosby's going to look like Adam Vinatieri in another yeah. five years, yeah. which is, that's fine for everyone. That, that, that we'll, definitely we'll works. It. Yeah. Uh, Green Bay punts on their last possession of the first half. The half ends with another missed field goal. And if Dan Bailey makes those two field goals, they're going in not tied 14-14 at half the way they went in, but they're going in up by 20 yeah. to 14 yeah. and and then sort of the second half matters less yeah but they came out the vikings did came come out just on fire after a couple of punts green bay gets a uh take a look at actually how this ends uh tremont williams got a good return off of a punt on Minnesota's first possession of the second half, he returned up to the 35 for 23 yards. Mm-hmm. Green Bay gets it up to their own 44 on a couple of, on three Aaron Jones uh, carries, one of them a completed pass from Rodgers. It's fourth and one. Green Bay burns a timeout because they're confused. And then on fourth and one, they send out the normal single back offense. And with Aaron Jones, who uh, this is the third time. This is the third time he, we've done this. in Chicagoland that we've brought up the idea that if you have blank and short yeah. and you need a yard, you have a guy. His name is Jamal Williams. He was the guy that you were like not playing Aaron Jones to play instead of Aaron Jones six weeks ago and last season. And now he can't make the field in a situation that seems tailor made for his style. This is the, this is Jamal Williams' time. The, it, and one is Jamal Williams' zone. You know why? Jamal Williams is stronger than the strongest horse. Jamal Williams will pull the entire Vikings team cart a thousand times over to get that one yard. He will push it's and what push. He's, it's, it's what he's on the team he for. He will just run into that wall and push it one yard it's forward. why he's there. Aaron Jones is a slippery, elusive guy. He's not going to... He works hit. in space. He's a delayed handoff on second and nine kind yeah. of running back. He's not a He's not a single back, pounded up the middle kind of guy. That's what Jamal Williams does. It's just... Poor it's, personnel usage again and again and again and again. I do not understand. I, I just don't understand the entirety. This is the third time we've seen that run play called on that situation. It has not worked. Once it's been a safety and twice it's just failed on down. Yes. Yeah. Um, and from the beginning of this play, it's not just like Aaron Jones did not get a yard. It's that you're running that same zone blocking scheme where you watch this play happen. The uh, the linemen all stand up and move laterally yeah. to like zone yeah. block this thing. No, I, push forward. Yes, go, go forward. Like, do you see that man in front of you? Block him down the field. Push him. Do it three feet forward so that your running back can fall forward and grab it. Yeah, so he can just take the ball. And if it's Jamal Williams. You push your guy forward. Jamal Williams runs into your back. 
pushes you forward and falls down. Put yeah. So it's, it, he really does a great job of it all the time. He's a guaranteed one yard. <laughs> Tom Brady's old enough to be your grandfather, and he runs sneaks on that down. Yeah. You know, and the Patriots are not zone blocking on that. No, <laughs> I guarantee you they're not. <laughs> so many things are wrong with this play. And you know, foreshadowing for later, but those are the kind of mistakes that are happening this year in that, yeah, there are things happening on the field that are bad, but there is a concept being executed right now in Green Bay that is at its core not successful. Yeah. And that's that that to me is is the biggest the biggest thing from this game that's proof of that and that play just broke this team in this game. Mm-hmm. There was nothing left after that. No. It it was it was just it was just done after that. It was just it was like a straw that broke the camel's back. We've been hearing a lot of 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 you know criticism of Mike McCarthy kind of now in the national media. Kind of now, this whole fire McCarthy thing is catching steam. Yeah, it's spiraling now. It's spiraling now. I again, I've been calling for this since the Hail Mary game in 2015. Don't. I just want to make note that I've been early on this game. Um, there's been a lot of talk of like Mike McCarthy's offense is getting stale, stuff like that. This is the small things that I think are most important. Is this is where my biggest gripes with Mike McCarthy come are complete personnel misusage. We've started to see him take some creative concepts from other offenses. He started to move away from the full spread formations. It's not as stale as it used to be, but this is where like the issue comes in. Is not fully understanding what the situation is and the situational football that goes into this fourth and one. Don't run a zone block. Use your power back. Yep. I I don't I never Unless the game is on the line, I do not endorse going for it on your side of the field. Mm-hmm. That is a other team side of the field maneuver. Yeah. It's, again, it's very situational. And I just think that you have a very good punter out there who can hang the ball up for five seconds plus. Mm-hmm. That's a good spot to punt from because if he hits a good one and he hits good ones four out of five times right now, then Minnesota's starting the drive from inside their own tent. Yeah. That's a good spot for them to be. You've got plenty of time left. It is 14-14 at this time. The game is in, in your in your pocket. You're still playing with with yeah, like a good hand. Everything is is dead even. That is a that is a move that suggests that you are aggressive that actually is just poorly thought out yeah it's it's like a facade for being aggressive like it's yeah. it's not it's just so dumb that's like the campbell soup version of aggressive and sure if you open that can like it's sure it's chicken noodle soup in there but you've had better yeah you know it's not real anyway <laughs> uh minnesota uses the short field to get a field goal green bay goes negative 12 yards um, on the next drive, a delay of game penalty on third and eight makes it third and 13, a sack on the next play. And continued, this is continued issues with situational football and not getting the play in right, not understanding the situation, having to burn timeouts or take delay of games. That situation, I think, no, I, I yeah, no, I, it's just not getting the play in. Minnesota from there scores the back-breaking touchdown. Uh, Adam Thielen catches a pass from Cousins, 14 yards. Um, 
This that's yeah. just that's it. That's just it. Minnesota would punt, fumble by Tremont Williams. Yeah, and that catch. yeah that was kind of the the last actual mathematically possible to win the game moment. Yeah, and this is. I, I said earlier in the year when Ty Montgomery screwed up and took the ball out of the end zone. Yeah. You have Tremont Williams on this team. He's not going to do something stupid. Uh, Tremont Williams. Done two dumb things in a row. Yeah. Has now. Two weeks, two weeks in a row done dumb things. That And that's the point at which, like, I was kind of watching this game in, like, stony silence. Sunday night, but when Tremont Williams just stood in front of a punt, yeah, I was what uh, that just landed in front of him and hit him in the chest. I, I that's the point at which I'm just going, "What are you doing? Yeah, why? Yeah, I and, like the cats are running, and my wife is like, "Good night, <laughs> I'm going to bed." I, why? Uh, I I uh. uh, 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 uh why? <laughs> What's he doing standing there? Doesn't field, make any sense. Field it or run away. It just it, it just doesn't make any sense. Call a fair catch and catch it. <laughs> it's like either the, don't be close to it or catch the ball. This is the like the veteran guy who the Packers re-signed after he went away in free agency, played for the Jaguars, I believe. This is no, the guy the Browns. they Browns. Well, that's even worse. Um, this is the guy they brought back because he's a leader, because you can count on him to be in the right spot and make mistakes despite like a you know, a a deteriorating set of uh physical yeah uh attributes. And he's not he's not doing it. And to me that's that's a lot about about situational awareness once again. Of this is a team that's not going onto the field with the right set of of instructions, perhaps. Yeah. Like, I I wonder, and let's let's take a break before we get to what I wonder. Sure. Because the game is over at that point. It's 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 done. Twenty four fourteen. Green Bay gets a field goal. They give the ball back to uh, Minnesota. They if Minnesota doesn't get a first down, then Green Bay gets a chance to get the ball back once again. But uh. Cousins passes on third down and six. That's a bold-ass play call. I like yeah. it. Uh, Stephon Diggs picks up the uh, first down. At this point, the Packers are out of defensive backs again. Yep. Again. Uh, so that's that. That's why that the, the game was able to just sort of be controlled by Minnesota in the second half. Game ends 24-17. Packers are 4-6-1. Oh, and six on the road. All of their losses have come on the road. They cannot win on the road this year. It's a weird thing going on. Uh, we will take a break, and we are going to yell into these microphones more when we come back. This is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. We are the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers.
Which mouse turns the microphones on? It's that one. So many computers. We're, Hello. We're so cool. Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. I'm Mike Fleischman. Hey, that's Matt Mellumsetter. Hey. Uh, we are on Twitter at Cheesecagoland, where we live tweet these games. By we, I mean Matt Mellumsetter. I'm on Twitter at MP Fleischman. He's on Twitter at Mellumsetter. We have a Facebook page. It's called Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Subscribe and like that or whatever it is you do to Facebook pages in order to get updates of when we put out episodes. We will continue putting out episodes. I think that's uh, that's the one thing that we've proven. I think I think we've done we've done something in that we've proven to ourselves that no matter if we're in the same state, yeah, we'll, or whatever we're actually going to do, we'll put something. We're out. going to do this podcast. So I I applaud my own tenacity for yeah. this because um, this has been the the kind of season where. It might be easy to step away from this, but honestly, I think that when you have these tough losses, and especially this last stretch of five games where they're one and four, and every single one of these games has been something that the Packers have been in. Yeah, I mean, every every single one of these has been something yep. that's it's been pretty close. It's been not necessarily always down to the wire, but... Uh, games that the Packers have been in at least until half, in yeah. at least through halftime. Yeah, we've the been third given fourth quarters. Six points in the last two second halves. Yeah, not good. That's not going to get it done. No, nope. not going to win games like that. Of course, I talked about that during the on the when this was a radio show that I did by myself last year in the Brett Hundley era. Oh, that uh, second halves in particular were some of the worst football I'd ever seen. Yeah, these last two second halves by the Packers have been awful just terrible up in seattle and now in in minnesota these were terrible second just halves. disgraceful second halves nothing nothing working bad decision making bad coaching calls bad bad play calling poor performances we're getting to all of that i want to start with the fact the one thing that i think isn't anyone's fault is that the packers are really injured right now yeah no Randall Cobb on offense. Also, no Geronimo Allison. Those are longer-term things. And now, possibly no David Bakhtiari. Yep. Nick Perry on IR. I mean, he wasn't really doing a bunch, but that's linebacking depth, and we were already thin, at, and the Green Bay Packers were already thin at linebacker. Yeah, Nick Perry on the defensive side. Also, Mike Daniels out in this game. Muhammad Wilkerson has already been completely forgotten yeah. about. Bashad Breeland, Bashad Breeland, Kevin King, both out. So, a lot of players that you thought were going to be a lot of starting key, impact players, yeah, especially on the defensive front. In the secondary, the secondary has been a work in progress for some time. It's a very young group. Yep. Like even if everyone was healthy, there's no guarantee that like Ibrahim Campbell wouldn't be playing instead of some of these other guys yeah. because. You know, that's a big question mark right now. The Packers are trying to slot some guys in there, but the defensive front was supposed to be, you know, Mike Daniels, yeah. and who's out, and Nick Perry, and Muhammad Wilkerson. These guys were were supposed to matter. Yeah, and this year, and play the majority of the snaps, and they're gone. And I think it shows up bigger when you play more complicated offenses like Minnesota's like Los Angeles is instead of when you play the Miami Dolphins and you know they're going to run it to Frank Gore or some some garbage or quarterback is going to pass it yeah 
when <laughs> you know, but when you play Minnesota, who who uses Dalvin Cook as a receiver out of the backfield, when you play uh, the Los Angeles Rams, who have a real good quarterback and a pretty complex scheme, yeah, and an MVP running back, yeah, you expose the lack of the front a lot more because once you give Cousins or Goff time to work and when you give receive when you give running backs time to come out of the backfield and run routes yeah oh boy yeah uh, you can see exactly what teams want to do against green bay in the in their current depleted front and and montrevious adams seems like he's going to be a decent player tyler yeah. lancaster is a guy who you look at and go like yeah that guy could be a rotation down lineman if there was say one more good guy in front of him yeah dean lowry's looked yeah, dean lowry's pretty, pretty good. solid yeah, these guys are answers, but they're they are guys once again in that collection of guys who are not yet seasoned. Yeah, they're not yet seasoned, and these are also guys that uh, we shouldn't be expecting to be all pros. No. on the Green Bay Packers, these are guys that are good rotational pieces. I mean, Montrevious Adams was a higher draft pick, so I, we would expect that uh, potentially one day he's a starter. But guys like Dean Lowry and James Looney and Tyler Lancaster, if they're playing well, it's like Great. In a year, there'll be nice depth pieces, but these are not guys that are supposed to be getting 45 snaps a game. Now, or guys that we expected to see get 45 snaps a game. Yeah, guys like Kyler Fackrell as well, who has yeah. had like a decent run in the last uh, last couple of games. I think that his success against Seattle should not be overstated because yeah. their line is now just not awful. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's not terrible. Yeah, and it's not. This, I notice I didn't use the word good. Oh, but I mean, it, it's serviceable. So Dwayne I'll, Brown's a good pickup. Yeah, lot lot of injuries. First of all, coming yeah. into this game, very very injured, and then playing a Vikings team that, for the most part, is healthy. Yeah, I mean they've got Dalvin Cook back. Latavius Murray's playing. Kirk Cousins is there. I mean they, they they're not missing any essential pieces. They, yep. They're not missing like the Green Bay Packers. Run an offense that, it, it, at its best, has thrived with receivers that have a connection to Aaron Rodgers, who know how to work with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Geronimo Allison is right when the play breaks down. He's he's somebody that Aaron can trust. And now we're in a zone where the number two and number three receivers are gone, and it's just rookie receivers trying to learn and adapt to a new system. And they've looked not great. And how much does it suck? Say if you are EQ St. Brown or uh, Jamon Moore or MVS, yeah. How much does it absolutely suck to get drafted by a team with the best quarterback in the game and a long tenured head coach, and all of a sudden to find yourself on a team where the national media is screaming for blood? Yeah, and you can no longer develop behind Jimmy Graham and. Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, and Randall Cobb. All of a sudden, you're on the field playing 40 snaps a game, and you know your your sort of famously mercurial quarterback is upset with you on national television. Yeah, and like these guys weren't supposed to be playing the game. Everyone yet. assumes that your head coach is going to get fired after the year. That situation sucks. Yeah, like that's a hard place for a 21 year old kid to be in right now. Yeah, and it it's important that. I mean, it's. I don't want to play therapist for them. It's important that they know it's not their fault. 
Yeah. It's a don't get down on yourself. I mean, this is something we saw with Deshaun Kaiser last year with the Cleveland Browns is in an organization of mismanagement, a young 21-year-old was thrown into the fire and was in a similar situation where they went 0-16. The media is calling for Hugh Jackson's head. Deshaun Kaiser's screamed at is not a very good quarterback. It, it you As a young guy, like know that it's not entirely on you and that there are bigger picture things that are putting you in this position and you're not supposed to be ready. No, none that. of these losses land on the shoulders no. of three rookie wide Absolutely receivers. Absolutely not. I think those guys are good draft picks. Yeah. It's it, I'm I'm pleasantly surprised in particular by MVS. I think EQ St. Brown is is more of a long-term project and honestly, I still think Jamon Moore is going to be the guy we remember out of this group. Yes. I I I I fully agree. I think Jamon Moore Reminds me a lot of Devontae Adams uh, in his early year. I mean, we haven't really seen much action from Jamon Moore uh, like this year, but in his preseason work and in his like training camp stuff, I, I, I think he, he has the twitch speed of a young Devontae Adams. So that's thing one, is that this team is super injured right now. Yeah. Thing two is that this team is not making glaringly obvious mistakes in the way that bad teams do. Yeah. They're not they're not throwing interceptions. They're not fumbling the ball outside of a guy who doesn't play on the team anymore because he fumbled the ball. Yeah. They do not turn the ball over in the course of normal play. They play normal football at a respectable level. Yeah. They play tie game football with the Minnesota Vikings until the situations where it matters. Uh-huh. And then they waste timeouts because they can't get the play in on time. Uh, they get delay of game penalties because they can't figure out the play. They fumble the ball on special teams. They make bad reads on returns. It's situational football where this team fails. Yeah, I'm. I'm you see, what I'm. I'm going down that list of like how do teams lose? Yeah. Um. You know, they in part they lose because their starters are hurt. And they are replacing them with guys you've never heard of. Yeah, they lose because so that is happening. They lose because their you know their quarterback throws twenty interceptions in a season. That's not happening. Nope. Aaron Rodgers throwing yep. twenty touchdowns to one interception this year. So it does come down to decision making, and that these these calls that are coming in from the sidelines are absolutely baffling. I expected a different look from Green Bay this year with the advent of a new offensive coordinator, but McCarthy is calling these plays still, yeah. and I cannot I cannot tell the difference between this offense this year and 2016's offense before they got better at the end yeah and or and, I, I, or the hundley offense yeah i i last I, year i see a lot of difference from the hundley offense mainly because i think in the hundley offense there were attempts to uh just get the ball into the playmaker's hands just short throws rhythm throws because brett hundley can't play the aaron Rodgers game style there was still a lot of like iso routes brett hundley please do what aaron Rodgers used to do for us but occasionally we'd see like an underneath slant, we'd see a drag, we'd see a screen, we'd see something. Yep. We don't see that anymore. It it, it really is just a ton of like ISO routes, throw the ball on the back shoulder. I mean, we saw that on a Devontae Adams touchdown is Aaron Rodgers put the ball perfect, but 
you can't do that on every play. It it just doesn't it it doesn't work. Yep. It, it what it is really is it it reminds me a lot of the 2015 offense and in 2015 we had kind of a similar situation going on with the Green Bay Packers where Jordy Nelson got hurt uh, towards ACL. Offense was humming for a little bit and then is just stagnant, gets stifled by the Denver Broncos in in week seven. And from then on out in 2015, that team's, uh, teams knew the game plan of how to stop this offense, which was press coverage on the, on the young wide receivers, guys that weren't ready yet, um, and don't bring pressure. Bring three guys. Bring four guys. Uh, no one will be open. Aaron Rodgers will hold the ball. You can sack him. And that's what we've seen time and time again this year. I, it it gets me to this idea of where from where are you building your offensive game plan? Yeah. Are you building it from the top down? Like, are you a coach that has an idea about how how football offense run? Or are you evaluating your talent yeah. and creating an offense that runs to their strengths? Putting Good coaching is putting people in positions to succeed. Yep. Good coaching is not, oh, I have a great scheme, plug players in. It's, I have a scheme, and I'm going to mold that scheme to the players so that these players can be put into a position where they can succeed. That is not happening. Take a look at Reed, Andy. Yeah. Andy Reed has had a wide variety of quarterbacks, a wide variety of different players, and a wide variety of offensive styles. Yep. The, and a, yeah, a Those, way of getting each of them into a position where they're very good. Yeah, I mean this. The I mean we people rave about this Kansas City offense right now. It, it it's it's a lot of motion. It's a lot of getting the ball into the hands of their playmakers. In Philadelphia, it was not the same kind of style. They were not reliant in Philadelphia in like 2005 with Donovan McNabb. I mean, those teams were not reliant on like jet sweeps and like getting the ball into one wide receiver's hands. It was very much a prototypical NFL offense. It yeah, was not si- single back, deep drop, break down. Not Donovan McNabb is one of the best at stepping forward. Yeah, it was coordinated to those players. Yep. I mean, we can talk all the, all we want about Andy Reid's clock mismanagement or any of his failures there. But oh yeah, he sucks at that stuff. He's, he's bad at that. What he does well is put his players in positions where they can succeed and where they can do good things and where they can use their abilities to the best of their abilities and build confidence and win week, 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 week. Right now, what this team needs is... Look, EQ St. Brown, we know that he can't make reads on these option routes. I mean, Mike McCarthy's offense is predicated on ISO routes and option routes. So a wide receiver recognizing the coverage and making the correct read. Aaron Rodgers is going to make that right read. These young receivers are not going to do that. So develop an offense that can make the reads for them. Yep. So they don't have a read. They just have to get to a spot. Uh, yeah, if you look at if you look at strengths and then com- of these players and compare that with the play calling, it it has become fully baffling. And Aaron, yeah, you know, I've I've talked about Aaron Jones. What's his strength? It's it's elusiveness, it's quick acceleration, it's recognition of holes. He is a space running back. Even yeah. if he's running between the tackles, he likes to run on wide splits. Yep. He likes to receive the ball in in space where he has a moment to observe what's happening. He's not a fourth and one running back. Jamal Williams. 
Vaughn Williams is an absolute punisher. Yeah. And everything from like his mindset to his attitude to his frame to to his like uh style of running, like all just says to you just immediately, like this is a short yardage. Put him in a position to succeed. Yeah. You put Aaron, Mike McCarthy put Aaron Jones in a position that he could not succeed, and Aaron Jones failed. Aaron Jones should not be expected to succeed. Yeah, should in this. Ne- he should never even have that chance to fail right there. I mean, the idea is like, yeah, most running backs should be able to pick up one yard. This team has personnel that is fitted specifically for that situation, that is fitted specifically to succeed in that situation, and they were not used. That's where the flaws in this coaching is. Let's take a look at Devontae Adams, who remains productive despite some of what's going on. Uh, Devontae Adams, like, what are his strengths? Everything about playing wide receiver. Every single thing. Every single thing. So why are only half of them being used? These sort of downfield stops, the double yep. moves, the acceleration, that's still being used. That's great. When's the last time we saw a slant across the middle of yeah. Devontae Adams? When was the last time, <laughs> even like that quick, like option read toss out to Devonte Adams. When was the last time you see the first tackler make a clean tackle Never. on Devonte Adams before he gets three yards? Never. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. And so with Xavier Rhodes in and out of this game. Out. Yeah. Xavier Rhodes with that hamstring. Try it out. Attack him. Yeah. Go at him. Go. go Let Devonte yeah. Adams have a chance to make a play. See if that scrub they put in for Rhodes is any good. Yeah. He might not be. Instead, we continue to run deep developing option plays where two of the receivers are likely not making the right reads and Aaron can only trust. And Daniil Hunter is just bearing down on Jason Spriggs. Hi. Um, If you put Jason Spriggs in for David Bakhtiari, you have to change how you call plays. Because the issue... Because Spriggs is bad. He's not good. Bakhtiari's good. Bakhtiari's great and can hold up on Khalil Mack. Spriggs will get run through by anyone. Now, another issue that we have, I think, is worth talking about, and it comes from the poor offensive line play, is Aaron Rodgers' mechanics. And Aaron Rodgers has been thrown off his back foot a lot. Aaron Rodgers has been thrown off that back foot a ton. And the reason why is he can't trust to step yeah. up. I mean, Aaron, the, Aaron Rodgers, we look at Aaron Rodgers' best seasons and when Aaron Rodgers has been successful, he's been able to make that step up into the pocket and that little crow hop to put a little zip on the ball. Yep we almost never see him crow hop into it or step up into it. We often see him fading away because the interior of his line and with Spriggs in the left side of the line is always collapsing in. And so there's nothing, there's nowhere for him to go up. If he goes up, he's done. He's sacked. He's it's over. This is, and that knee injury in, in week one. Yeah. Has absolutely obliterated what was left of Aaron Rodgers' mechanics. Yeah. Which he's never been that mechanical to start with. Yeah, Aaron and like you largely not terrible. not cared. Like his arm work is very good. His yeah. release is very good, but his footwork is he, he's very he's very often is open. bonkers. He's very often open, so he's very often it, it's hard to to I can show you. It's hard to describe. He's very often like his left leg is supposed to be planted and leading. And Aaron Rodgers and took it from Brett Favre as he usually throws with both feet off the ground. He usually hops when he throws. Um, but he's now typically leaving the left foot off to the side, off to the left side. So he's not closing up and squaring up to his target. He's leaving it open, which is opening up his chest and is putting it all on his right arm and is no longer on his hips, no longer on his, his leaning arm. He can now, it's all on wrist and right arm. 
And it's so hard to be consistent with that. No matter who you are, no matter what your mechanics are, if your body's betraying your arm, it's so hard to deliver consistent throws. And this is partly a Rogers thing because I don't know where that dude's brain is right now. No. Like there's been a lot of tabloid stuff about Rogers in the last five years in particular. I've listened to none of it partly because I don't care and partly because I don't care. Yeah. But there is a point where the casual observer starts to look at the guy and go like, is something the matter? Yeah. Because there, there's been like, there's like a body language attitude thing that if I'm seeing it on the field and I don't care how my football players act. Yeah. I don't care how my athletes act. I, I don't care that people seem to think that DeMarcus Cousins you know, in the NBA is like a, a crybaby. He's fine. He's, he's fine. He's really good. Uh, he's you know, really good. I don't care that J.R. Smith might be one of the strangest men alive. Yeah, he's, he's good, funny. He's a good basketball player. He, he, he's very entertaining. He's funny, and he. I am not the guy who cares about this crap. But if I'm the one looking at Rogers and going like, "What is happening?" Yeah, where's your brain, man? Yeah, I mean, now to be honest with you, now is probably a really rough time with these fires for him. Yeah, I, I, oh I, sure. It, 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 it in a lot of the the bogus tabloid stuff has kind of been. I mean, he donated a million dollars to the fire and then his brother came out and was like call your mom and it, it what it seems like to me is a i mean i think he's got a really bad family um he's got a i think he's got <laughs> it an, that way i think he's got a kind of an abusive and manipulative family family and to be in like a situation like this where like there's fire bearing down on that on that and like to be in that kind of a family situation it's probably pulling at his 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 brain straight yeah. real hard aaron Rodgers' little brother is my single like least favorite sports attached person. Man, I hate Jordan Rogers. In the world. I hate Jordan. Jordan Rogers is Jordan Rogers, guess what? He is sack of shit on Bachelorette. Clearly Terrible clearly man. manipulating. Yeah. Like holy he is he is so desperately attempting to make a name off of his famous older brother while also publicly condemning his famous older brother at all turns. Yeah. It, well, clearly also being listened to only because he's Aaron Rodgers. He's little Aaron brother. Rogers, little brother. Uh, and his Aaron Rodgers father as well. I mean, right before, before the NFC championship game in 2016, after the run the table season, I mean, green Bay is going into Atlanta. The family stuff is kind of bubbling up. Aaron Rodgers father writes like an op ed about how, like their family dynamic, like Saturday, Ugh. right before the game. So then that takes over the media cycle. It's uh, the dude does not. I feel bad for Aaron a lot. Um, it's a bad family situation. Really sucks. Um, and I'm sure this is. I'm sure his mind is kind of elsewhere with this fire stuff. And I think it's a a. I think it's excusable. A. I'm like. I don't expect you to be on the top of your game every single game. You shouldn't have to be. There should be a team around you that can make up for you not being flawless. And what we've seen this year is Aaron Rodgers has been flawless since 2010. Aaron Rodgers has been flawless since 2010, and he's been holding up the Green Bay Packers team. And now, the last few years... Yeah, broken collarbone last year, and then... Excuse me, I don't care what they say about his knee. It's f***ed up. It's f***ed up. Yeah, no, it does... It, it, yeah. I, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. A bone bruise is so painful. Yeah. Is so 
unbelievably painful, and you can see it in the way that he steps on that left foot in his refusal yeah. to plant. His, his mechanics refu- are just a mess right now. Uh, it's going to take an offseason. It's going to take a good quarterback coach. I I think Aaron Rodgers needs like a real. I think we. I think McCarthy has to go, and I think we need a new head coach in that's just going to be like, all right, Aaron. Here's the the new game plan. This is what you're adapting to it, now. It just seems, it's a reset. Yeah, it seems like there's. It's gone from it's gone from a coaching staff that challenges people to a coaching staff that is is just very content. And yes. it's a game plan that's very content and clearly expects the players to be doing the work for them. Yeah. Which to me, like I think this started happening last year and I did not see it because Brett Hundley is such garbage. Yeah. And and it was just a, a the team was awful because they were being led by a, just a very bad quarterback. Yeah. Which I, again, he's a backup time, quarterback. Yeah, I, didn't, a I, didn't put, I didn't put it on Hundley because who cares? He's not like, supposed to be good. Well, you're not good enough to play in the NFL. Neither am I. Yeah, whatever. It, uh, I mean, the thing is, is sometimes people expect that so, like backups are going to come in and be all pros because sometimes you see that. Sometimes they are, uh, but that's 98 percent of the time not the case. 98 percent of the time they were correctly projected as a backup and should stay as a backup. And Brett Hundley is a backup quarterback. He was not supposed to be a starting quarterback for an extended period of time, and we saw that and we knew that. Sorry, go on. I pretty much had it. It's just this idea of there is, there's such a complacency now, and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was easier, it was, harder to, it was harder to see last year because Hundley's terrible and just nothing good came out of having him on the field. Yeah. But you see it this year where these there there weren't moments like this last year. There weren't moments that hinged no. that the games hinged on because Brett Hundley was had lost the game on his second possession of the first quarter. Yeah, and he was clearly over in so many of these games this year. The moments are back. The moments, the moments where you make decisions on the sideline that win or lose games are back, and they are awful. And I have. I have defended McCarthy for a long time because his teams have found a way with odd amounts of talent and some awful injury luck to put themselves in winning situations. And that's no longer happening. Yeah. And so the reason why I defend him is no longer there. Yeah. No, I, I don't think there's a, I, I don't think there's a way to defend McCarthy. I mean, the, the third down thing, that we see time and time again where the play doesn't come in and it goes down to the one second on the play clock on third down and we either burn a timeout or we go. Yeah, why is that happening? I mean, A, the defense is watching that clock too, so now they can time their jumps off of the snaps, so they're going to have a better jump coming in Aaron Rodgers. But B, with the play coming in so late and the team getting up to the line so late, Aaron has so little time to make reads on this defense. I mean, he's stepping up with eight or nine seconds to make a read, no time to make adjustments, go. And I think that's also a big part of why we're calling timeouts so much is that he can't get adjustments sent out based on what the defense is giving him because McCarthy sent the play in with eight seconds to go. Yeah, got it. It's all got to happen quicker. I I assume that this was going to be a not so much like a shoe in like great year for the Packers. I assume this was going to be a transition year. Yeah, and. With the with the job that the staff has done, I think you got a brand new GM staring at this this coaching staff, going like they clearly have no idea what they're think doing. Think that they're they clearly think that their jobs are safe, yeah, and that no one is going to hold them to account for this. And what we've seen from uh, from Brian Gutkunst now, it from thus far is that he he's going to hold people accountable. Yeah, I mean, if you don't think that uh, 
that cutting cutting Jermaine Whitehead, trading Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and also trading Ty Montgomery, uh, that was that was intended to send a message to those guys, yeah. sure. But it was also intended to be a message to McCarthy. Yeah. And wow. Wow, didn't listen. Nope, didn't get it. Unbelievable. I mean, I've worked in enough places where, you know, they, where like, and I'm not going to put this on like service employees because we all like should try to do as little as possible at all times for what we get paid. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, the, there's been plenty of situations where there have been five of us that all should be fired. Yeah. And one of us gets fired and the rest of us are smart enough to figure out that that was a message not only to the guy they fired, but to the rest of us as well. Saying, work harder. Yeah. Yeah, the rest of you work harder. And... Or just be better. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the other solution could have been, like, paying us all more. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. but that, that message is still the same message here and there. Yeah. <laughs> and that message is work harder, pay more attention, uh, be more alert, and that your job is not guaranteed. That's... That's happening, and yeah. and yeah, it's it's pretty clear to me that that this is going to be a a coaching search off season, and that'll at least give us something to talk about. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, yeah, if if McCarthy keeps his job next season, that would be to me the most surprising thing. I've defended him for a while, and I actually think that he could probably land in the NFL again. Yeah, I I think and be successful. Again. I think he'd be fine somewhere else. I think it, he I think he's just grown stale, and it this team feels like they're not listening to him, and it's complacent. Uh, and we've heard I mean time and time again Aaron Rodgers harping on the play calling. I mean Tremont Williams had a little snide remark last week. Uh, I think he, I think McCarthy's lost the team, and I think I think a lot of people under him also have lost. The team, yeah. Tremont Williams coming out not knowing how to field a punt. Yeah, Ron, Ron Zook is 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 week after week. The special teams looks lost. Yeah, that's awful work. It's just, I mean, there was the <laughs> I saw a hilarious tweet video the other day of a kick return from this game where Zook put an offensive lineman back with the returner Whew. as a blocker. Good. Yeah, those and guys of, are fast and of course able he wasn't able to space. catch up. Of course he wasn't able to catch up with the guy running so he runs right past him because you can't it's a kickoff you can't wait for them to get yeah. set like you gotta go man you gotta go that is a, a particular skill that is a so offensive linemen do not block from a running start in open field space they don't ever do that yeah it, it i just just in case you were wondering i am i am a 38 year old i mean who has never coached a football game in my life and i am aware of what the skill set of offensive linemen are it's just it's not putting people in positions to succeed. There's talent on this team in many places. There's a lot of youth. There's so much talent on this team. There's a lot of youth that needs a year or two to develop that they were not given. They were forced into positions to play. There's a lot of talent on this team. I think this is an a, a an extremely attractive coaching gig going forward. But oh B, boy, it's just a posi- It's just a thing of man, they're not in the right positions ever. They need. They need a fearless coach as well. They need a coach who can look at Aaron Rodgers and tell him, this is what you need to improve. Yeah. Because yeah. that's uh, not easy. That takes a certain type of person, and that's that's a large, that's a part of coaching at every level. You know, whether you're a high school guy and you've got a, a kid who's being told by everyone around him, like, hey, you're D1 next year. Yeah. You know, you're untouchable. Like, um, a good coach doesn't let that kid slide. Slide. 
Yeah, and that happens at every level of sports. That's why there's a synergy between coaches and players. Yeah. That's why there are different roles for them. So someone who challenges someone who challenges Rodgers, who isn't afraid of him, but also can can earn the respect of some of these veterans on this team that really matter. Yeah. That's a challenge. I don't know who fills that role. We are going to have to see who fills that role. I just want to run down, finally, as we're getting done here, we're going a little late. That's cool. We have a lot to talk about. Um, some of these guys that are coming in to replace the the uh, mash unit that is the Packers defense, some of these guys are looking pretty good. Ibrahim Campbell looks like he could play. Yeah, he's 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 good. He has a few years of NFL experience. He was a fourth-round draft pick by the, Reds, by the Washington football team. Um you know he he's good yeah he he looks like he can play a little bit tony brown as pointed out should have been called for roughing the punter on a play tony brown continues to uh make plays that are both he's sometimes sometimes not bad yeah sometimes he'll make a great play and he'll look so good in coverage and then other times he'll just be a bonehead. I like you, Tony Brown. If I was to, if you, <laughs> if you were to ask me today, like, uh, like which Packers, uh, which Packers game day jersey are we buying you? I asked for Tony Brown. Yeah, Tony Brown. I absolutely ask for Tony Brown. He's I, a madman. I love Tony. Tony Brown has kind of taken that Demarius Randall spot for me, except it doesn't seem like there's any like practice issues with Tony Brown. Hey, I just want to, I, I want to note that right now, if uh, if you're on the Acme Packing Company page and you click on the link to go to uh, Tony Brown from like the snap count page that we use. It sends you to Tony Brown, the Tennessee Titans defensive tackle. So wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> it sends you to the wrong Tony Brown. That's how nebulous Tony Brown's career is right now. Is that the, uh, one of the main Packers fan sites do, does not have a good link to, uh, to any sort of information about who he is. He's got nine tackles on the year. Yeah. Played in Alabama. Warren Burke's got a little bit of playing time. Antonio Morrison is playing a lot more with the injuries. Um, we'll see if uh, I'm curious to see if the team continues with Morrison because they gave up a fringe NFL guy to get a guy who had just played a full season. Yeah, and he's only started seeing the field kind of in the latter half. Hasn't really made any any fully great highlight reel plays yet. I'll be curious to see what they do with him. Warren Burke's is starting to play a little bit. Uh, Reggie Gilbert is playing a little bit more. I am. I would be so sad if Kevin King's career fizzles out in his second year because he just cannot get healthy. Yeah, that would be such a bummer. Um, one thing I did want to point out. Yeah. is Josh Jackson kind of been a a struggling tackler. One of kind of his biggest issues coming out of college was, along with playing in his own scheme, uh, was kind of his a little bit of a reluctant tackler. Had eight tackles on the day yesterday. Sure. Uh, I I I think Josh Jackson's going to be for real. I think we've seen Josh Jackson play a ton of snaps, mess up, and he never puts his head down. He keeps going. He he's made improvements upon uh, improvements. I mean, to be second on the team in tackles, I think, is a good thing of note for Josh Jackson and a good thing to build on. And what we're watching for towards the end of this year is, I mean, with our playoff chances down to three percent, is how can these guys develop? How are, how are these young players looking in kind of these pressure situations? And I've been, we talk all the time about Jair Alexander. He's the next NFL star. He's incredible. Josh Jackson, I think has also been very good. Yeah. I think he's, he's completely acceptable. If, if King doesn't work out, you've got a couple of guys from this year's draft that are good. King is sort of the, the, um, 
like distant hope at this point because yeah. he's seen so little of the field now in two NFL seasons that you start to shrug because these guys' shelf lives tend to get real short at this point. And whether it's yeah, that's no fault of Kevin King's, but just it's a it's the reality of the situation. This is a a tough league mm-hmm. where a lot of a lot of decisions maybe aren't fair. So that's that'll be tough if if King's career fizzles out. But there's always hope for tomorrow. Um, head cheese head. I've got Jair Alexander just for being a monster. Yeah. Um, Blake Martinez. He had 13 tackles. Yeah, Blake Martinez, real good as well. Um, boy, he's some he's some good. reasons for optimism. Yeah, Blake Martinez is real good. Uh, that's that's our cheese heads in Chicago land. Uh, these this last little run for us been rough it's been rough i i'm not gonna like critique the episodes i think we're fine especially like because sure. they've been remote like yeah. we're, we're good we're good podcasters but yeah this this team has has given us uh a lot of grief of grief a lot of gristle to chew on packers are in a, a tough spot i don't i don't envy anyone on that team right now <laughs> because there is as as forgiving as the media is in green bay yeah because there's just not a lot of it you know this ain't new york yeah. city up there as for as forgiving as they are you've got the national media is involved now the national media is calling for blood everyone in green bay is upset this fan base is already not known for being sophisticated i'm gonna say sure. in the way that some other fan bases are we have a, a you know the the general the the national media's caricature, like say Andrew Garcia's caricature of the sure. Packers fans, is like the dumb bumpkin yeah. wearing you know wearing a a foam cheese mold on their head, you know yelling yelling about how we need to fire McCarthy and trade Aaron Rodgers for uh for Case Keenum and a thousand draft picks yeah. and rebuild everything yeah those reset. doofuses just got a lot louder yeah and now the national media is amplifying their voices. That's tough. It's a tough situation. Yeah. And and you never want to be the reason somebody gets fired. Nope. I mean, at the end of the day, like these are jobs, these are livelihoods, these guys have families. Like you never want to be the reason that somebody gets fired. And so a lot of these guys are gonna be playing hard to just hope that they don't get fired and that no one gets fired because of them. Yeah, when the brooms come out after this yeah. season and, and stuff gets swept up, you gotta hope that you're one of the guys who who doesn't get swept up because they're there's going to be a lot of sweeping. There's, there's a, a lot of dust on this floor. Yeah, there's some reckoning that's that's going to happen. Uh, thank you for listening to Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. I'm Mike Fleischman. That's Matt Mellumsetter. Uh, we are on Twitter at Cheesecagoland. We will be live tweeting next week's game as we continue through this, this uh, fantastic season. Next week, it's the Cardinals at noon on Fox. Look out. The Cardinals are coming in. Uh, they're red hot. No, they're they're just they wear red jerseys, and then uh, a couple of home games right in a row: Cardinals, Falcons. Then uh, you go play the Bears, you go play the Jets, you finish up with the Lions. Um, need some help to get into the playoffs, but these are all all games, especially versus the Cardinals. Cardinals are very bad. It's winnable. These yeah. are all winnable games. But these all have been winnable yeah. games. No, every game has been winnable. And outside of the Dolphins, but at least at home you get a uh, a four zero and one record coming into it which is a little bit a little bit different better it's better um i didn't pay any attention to the nfl 
no. during uh, during the break. The uh, the Bears beat the Lions because the Bears are good and the Lions are bad. Hey, Matt Nagy, I was hard on you in week one, and I told you to get your team to play 60 minutes of football. You've been doing that, so uh, good on you. Also, yeah. Khalil Mack helps. Uh, <laughs> Cowboys beat the Redskins. I so don't care. The Saints continue rolling. They're 10-1. and 1. They're awesome. They beat the Falcons. The Falcons are uh, are really sliding down the uh, sliding down the drain. The Bills beat the Jaguars because the Jaguars are imploding, and the Bills are um, stabilizing. I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, the Browns beat the Bengals thirty five twenty. They put up uh, twenty eight points Jeff, before the Bengals. Jeff Driscoll scored. starting next week for the Bengals. Oh boy, Andy Dalton out. Baker Mayfield is doing better without Hugh Jackson. Turns out Hugh Jackson was bad at coaching. Yeah. Uh, Patriots beat the Jets in the single most predictable thing on earth. The Eagles beat the Giants, kind of a uh, last-second gut, gut check for the Eagles. The Buccaneers beat the 49ers. Jameis Winston is back under center starting it, and the Buccaneers continue to be just inexplicable. Uh, the Seahawks beat the Panthers because the Panthers have had a rough three weeks. Meanwhile, the Seahawks are playing well. Uh, kind of in this last third of the season, uh, the Ravens beat the Raiders because the Raiders are garbage, and uh, yeah, that's that's going well. The Chargers beat the Cardinals. The Browns beat the Turner. <sighs> the Colts beat the Dolphins. All right, that game was cool because I did two games at Lucas Oil Stadium. I was you know on on the field for some of them as a sideline reporter. I was in the box calling them. Yeah. Uh, and then I got home and the very next day I turned on my TV and I watched the televised game at the stadium that I was just standing at the day before that owns so much. It's crazy. And the Texans beat the Titans. Let's get out of here. Um, Matt Mellum Setter, you are still the program director of Radio DePaul Sports, a great college sports radio station. Maybe the best. Maybe the best. Um, I am a play-by-play and color guy for Regional Radio Sports Network. I have a game coming up this Saturday. I'm going to call the Crown Point Bulldogs, taking on the Penn Kingsman over there in Mishawaka, Indiana. It's my first basketball season. Game of the season football is done. I was sad about that for a minute, but basketball is back. Uh, check out, if you like the DePaul Blue Demons men's and women's basketball team, uh, you guys are, are putting a lot of those games on the yeah. air. Pretty much every single one. Yep. Um, we didn't call this last game the Savannah State DePaul women's game, uh, where DePaul won 124 to 62 or something. Um, but pretty much every other game this uh, winter will be called by some Radio DePaul sports people. So uh, tune in, download the Radio DePaul sports application, or tune in at RadioDePaulSports.com, and you can uh, listen in to some award-winning uh, play-by-play calls. The station that made me what I am today. Yeah. Uh, well. No, <laughs> you're, a, you're, you're an old man. Yeah, I was. I was. You were. You were. I was already put sort together. Of, sort of you what I am together. today. Yeah. You're yeah. very much who you are today before the station. Thank you for listening to Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Uh, we'll be back next week with our episode about whatever might possibly happen against the Cardinals. Lord knows at this point what's going to go on next. Uh, Jair Alexander is our head cheesehead of the week. And until we talk to you next week, Matt Mellon said, what should people endeavor to do? Stay cheesy, please. All right. 